Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Citizens! How are we doing? Hello! How's everyone doing tonight? The lights are on. The power is working. We've okay, everybody on the count of three. Tell me. Sorry, totally busted. Your no, one okay. word. Ready? Everybody at the same time, loud and proud. Your one word. Are you ready? One, two, three. I thought I heard tissue. I heard a chew, I perhaps? Heard, okay, so yeah, we're sneezing. <laughs> Wait, all right. How about I just point at you and you tell me your word? Yes, word. Shout it. What? Mid? Mid. Meh? Like M-E-H? It's what that means, but mid is like, eh, it's kind of like not It's a that new good. term? Ooh, teach me new slang, okay? Courtney, please. Oh, my gosh. I'm old. I'm back in the day when, like, legit was legit. Oh, no, Courtney. <laughs> this, is, this is tough. Listen, um, yeah, mid is what we're, we're saying okay. now. Just cool. kidding. Yeah, mid means, like, it was all right. All mm. right, I'm going to point again. Hamburger. All right, that's a great year. But wait, you, actually. Stressful? That's what I heard. Mm, stressful. How many okay. of you stressful is your word? It's a popular word. All right, nice. All right. Cool, cool. Well, we all had a very uh, different year, it sounds like. But welcome back to the new year. 2023 Citizens Youth. Give it up. All right, guys, it is a new year, and one of the things that we love to do at the beginning of the year as humans is we pretend that we can change everything about our lives in like a week or two. It's like, you know what? I'm never, ever going to eat fast food ever again because it's my New Year's resolution. And then today, my wife bring, brings me some amazing Chick-fil-A, and I'm like, mm. well. Does it count? It does. It does. Okay. It was awesome, though, so thank you. This is the time. Yes. Quick service. My pleasure. Quick service. My pleasure, Jacob says. <laughs> Uh, but this is the time of year where a lot of us make some commitments to the Lord or to ourselves. We say, this is what our year is going to be like. And, uh, man, today is what we call an ethos night, which means that we take one of our discipleship values and we just like to teach through it. But, you know, we thought we would do something a little bit different tonight. Um, it's very common up here to have us open up our Bibles and uh, either Courtney or myself will preach through a passage of Scripture and uh, we'll just kind of show you what we find from the text and we'll uh, proclaim and herald the truth of God's word and hopefully captivate some hearts. But uh, today, our, our, our primary point of emphasis was prioritize biblical truth. That is one of the things that we really value at Citizens, so much so that we have it as one of our core discipleship values. And um, I found a passage today, or not, sorry, not today. I found this a few weeks ago um, that I thought would be really awesome for us to teach through. And as I was preparing, uh, the Lord just kind of convicted me, and I kind of felt this weight on my heart of, man, we preach so much from this stage of why the Bible is important. We, we, we preach so much of, of how the Bible is important. Uh, we will open up the Bible every single gathering we have. But I was just feeling in my heart that maybe it would be time to, uh, instead of the why, and the why is important, we go back to a little bit of the how. How are we even supposed to 
uh, study the Bible. How are we supposed to, and you as a high schooler or a middle schooler, how are you supposed to understand and process the things that are in, uh, in the scriptures? Because we firmly believe that everything that we need for truth, everything we need for life, everything we need for godliness is found within this library, really. It's not a book. It's a library of multiple books and letters written uh, by human authors but inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And so um, maybe if you'd be willing to admit in the room tonight, you've opened up this Bible once or twice and you were a little confused. And you were reading a few verses, a few passages, and you're like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. All right, a little honesty in church today. That happens Hands up. too. <laughs> Hands up. Yeah. And um, honestly, we are finding more and more as years go on that it is hard for young people uh, to understand Scripture on their own. And we thought, you know what? We don't want that to be the case. And so tonight is kind of an interesting, it's kind of we're preaching, but we're not preaching at the same time. We're going to figure it out as we go a little bit. We are going to walk through Psalm 1 together. And we're calling it First Things First. Um, okay. First things first. First thing you do when you wake up. What is it? Breakfast. Open your eyes. That's a good one. Some How many people, of you actually go to the bathroom? I, 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 I do. Does anybody not go to the bathroom first thing in the morning? I'm going to like pretty, slightly judge you. strange wow. if you don't, right? Your bladder can handle that? They're young. Wow. <laughs> okay, the way that order goes in life is really important, all right? The way that you organize things. I was talking a little bit earlier about this with somebody. Um... Everyone, I realize, has a different way of how they make a taco. Yes. So I, I had always thought that there was only one way to do it. And I heard, like, an insane theory today that the lettuce goes first. No. Then. Wilted. I know. I know. Listen, heat. I'm on your side. I heard the lettuce goes first, then the meat, and then the cheese, and then the sour cream on top. No, no, no. no it's and meat. And I say, halt. And then you melt the cheese over the meat. And then Ooh. you can put other things, like if you put beans or, you know, salsa or whatever, other things. But then you do the sour cream right before the greens, so the greens stick to the sour cream and don't fall out of your taco. Okay. I'm going to say something crazy. <laughs> I put the sour cream first. Listen, listen, listen. Sour cream first, and then you can get a nice even spread across the soft taco shell. All right? Listen. Wow. This Anyways, changes our opinion of you. This illustration's getting <laughs> off the trip. This illustration's going a little too far, but that's a silly example. But the order of which we think about things in life, the order which we do things in life matters, okay? And you will evidently, you, you in your life and me in my life, there will be an evidence and there will be, a, uh, uh, there will be a clear and tangible evidence to show what is my priority in life. Um, there will be a very clear sign of what's the most important thing to me because I will put that thing first. If it's my job, I'll put my job first over everything. All right? If it is uh, my own success or my own image or my own whatever, uh, you will clearly see that. For you in your life, uh, maybe it's sports. If sports are the most important thing in your life, that's going first. Uh, if your girlfriend or boyfriend is the most important thing in your life or your future boyfriend or girlfriend, all right? Gentlemen are dreaming. Like, oh, if only. Um, if they are first in your life, you are going to see that. So the real question is, who is first in your life? 
life. And the question we got to ask ourselves today in this one short day that we're calling First Things First is whose voice is loudest in your life? Because as we prioritize biblical truth, we have to say the voice of the Lord through his written word must be first. In 2023, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to thrive spiritually, the voice of the Lord has to be first. We have to prioritize time that we have. And so the question is, who, whose voice is loudest in your life right now? Sibling, parent, brother, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend, whose voice is the loudest? So we got a verse today that we're going to study together. And as we study it together, we want to show you that uh, it's not impossible to understand the truths of God's word. All right, if you're Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living and breathing inside of you, you don't have a junior high version of the Holy Spirit. You don't have a high school version of the Spirit. I don't have a pastor version of the Holy Spirit, right? That's not a thing that happens. You have God's word here in front of you, and you have God's spirit helping you interpret it. And it's possible to have impactful time in the scriptures every single day, first things first. So, um, Courtney, how long have you been um, either reading the Bible or studying the Bible. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think the first time I like was like, I am going to read the Bible by myself. You know, what? I told you earlier. I think it was middle school, but actually, I remember it because I was in I was in my house in Colorado and I moved here when I was eight. But I was like seven years old, probably, and I was like, I'm going to read Genesis. Seven year old reading Genesis. That was silly. Uh, did I get very far? No, did I understand it? Absolutely not. Um, and then I got in a regular habit of it in middle school, but it was really when I was 18. And um, I was like, dude, I need to figure out how to read this thing. I need to understand it. And uh, so I really dove into it at, as a, I just graduated high school. And that's when I, my Bible study really took off. And when I, man, that's when actually when I fell in love with God's word too. Like that summer, a lot of things happened in my life, but everything fell through the floor, and all I had was God's word, and I spent a lot of time with it, and I was like, dude, it's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I read through um, passages I understood a bunch when I was in like middle school and high school, and kind of the scary, intimidating parts, I was like, one day, or someone can explain that to me. Um, it wasn't really until I felt I didn't fall in love with the Bible, probably to my like senior year of high school, where I started reading it more and I started recognizing and I, I felt like God was revealing things to me as I was reading it. And I was like, oh, this just starts to make sense. And once you get into that habit, it's really hard to break because it's God's word breathing life into your life, which is awesome. And so there's this passage that we're reading today. Um, uh, it's in Psalm chapter 1. It is the first psalm in the book of Psalms. Uh, so why don't you flip there. If you don't have your Bible, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. So I'm just going to read it for us uh, here tonight. This is God's word. It says this in Psalm chapter 1. It said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is a powerful truth from God's word about God's word and about 
uh, how we can have true and meaningful life. So let's just dive right into the text, shall we? What do we got in the first one? Yeah, so what, what Noah's talking about in the beginning is we, what we're doing right here, what we're about to do, is we are going to like sort of like show our cards and how we write a sermon and how we would preach the word. And we're going to teach you how to do it, and we're going to do it right here, okay? So I need all of you to get your notes, your paper, your whatever those things are called, open to the scripture because I'm going to ask you to write things on the scripture, okay? So get it out, get a pen out, and then um, also hold this up in the yes. air and wave really loudly. You should have gotten it. a bookmark. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so we're going to address this. So look at this side first, the little timeline. Um, when you are opening up a passage of scripture, one of the first questions you need to ask is where slash what time does this happen? Okay, so right here's a timeline, and it's a little bit chronological, so you can see there. How many of you can actually read this? Can you read the, your tiny little print with your tiny little eyes? Amazing. Okay, so you got our storyline here, right? So it begins with Adam and Eve, and there's Noah and Abraham and Momo and Josh and all them. Uh, and so Psalms is interesting. Uh, fun fact, I have separated this out rather than the typical order that your Bibles are in. It's in Hebrew order. Ask me about that later. It's nerdy and it's fun. Um, so Psalms is kind of a funky one because it spans all kinds of things. There's the Psalm of Moses, okay? That happens early in Israel's history. Uh, David writes a bunch of Psalms, right? And so that's during the time of the monarchy when the kings are in charge of Israel. There are Psalms for exile. Um, but all these are being compiled together and um, are basically... We're looking at the where and the what. They are written for God's people at any time, any place. So the Psalms happen across biblical history. They center around the temple or the presence of God. So they're very important about the presence of God. But then it's written for God's people uh, anywhere in different places. So the Psalms is actually pretty cool for you and I because we don't live in Israel. Anybody True. live in Israel? Got a zip code? I don't even know what that would be. Uh, no, it's, but, so God's word here, the Psalms specifically, are written for God's people uh, to how to follow him anywhere and everywhere. So um, that's kind of the where it is in scripture, but then what is it specifically? Um, your, everything that you learn in school in your literature classes, you can bring all those tools to the Bible, because guess what? The Bible is literature, okay? So when we're in the Psalms, what is it? Take a guess. Say it loudly. It's a psalm, yes. What, yes. Kind, what, what is a psalm? What kind of literature? Oh. Ah, a ah. poem. I heard it from somebody. Yay. Well done. well done. It is poetry, okay? So the scriptures have three primary uh, genres. They have narratives, so stories, right? So Noah got in an ark and flooded and he saved all the animals, okay? It's not the point of the story, and, but there's story. People. <laughs> uh, people were saved too. Yes. Oh, right, right. People, people. Uh, then there's poetry, and then there's like prose. So this is like pause, like writings. These are things like that. Okay, so this is poetry. And so look at your bookmark on the other side. It says tools to read the Bible. Are you looking at it? Um, so there are things on top of what to pay attention to no matter what genre you're in. Repeated words, cross-references. But then ask the question, what genre are you in? Okay, so poetry, we're looking for some specific things. We're looking for figurative language, things like metaphors. Um, we're looking for images. We're looking for descriptions of God. Like the Psalms is where they're like describing God like a... You know, like a mother who's, like, loving on their kid, okay? It's the place we're talking about, like, you know, like a father. Like, all these, like, metaphors for God um, are found in Psalms and other poetic uh, genres of Scripture. And then we're looking for patterns, okay? So that's where we start. So let's look at the text, okay? Um, we're going to look at the first uh, three verses here, which my 
address is wrong. It's one, one through three, but he says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Okay, so when we're coming to a passage of scripture, um, I'm literally not trying to figure out what it means just yet. Okay, I'm literally taking my pen out, and I'm like circling words that I want to study. I'm like highlighting patterns. Uh, And so I want you, first things first, to uh, circle that word blessed. It's highlighted in orange here, or as my East Coast Gabby friend calls it, orange. Uh, it's highlighted in orange. <laughs> what? Orange? She says orange. orange. She's orange? from Long Island. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, right. uh, so blessed, okay? This is a key term. It's an opening term here, uh, and we're going to look at to what it means. Uh, but do you guys even know how you would study a word if you wanted to? Dictionaries are good. Did you know there are Bible dictionaries? Yes. Okay, I'm going to show you really quick how to do a word study. Are you ready? How many of you have access to the internet? Everybody yes. has access to the internet. Okay. Now, <laughs> how many of you do other things just than watch YouTube videos? Uh, less. Okay. I'm sure there's YouTube videos on this. Okay, so. As you open uh-oh. that up, Courtney's going to show us how to do word study. I, was, I just want to make a quick comment about... Um, uh, what we talked about, the where of Scripture. Uh, it's so important to remember that the whole narrative of the Bible is really about one person, and that's about Jesus. But we have different angles that we get to look at the life of Jesus from. Uh, we have the complete work of Jesus in the Gospels, but we, have, we see the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, the Old Testament's pointing to Jesus, and then, of course, the New Testament is pointing back at Jesus, but it had already the events of the life of Christ had already happened. And so it's really important to understand that there's one narrative of Scripture, and it's all pointing to Jesus. So when we open the Psalms, we understand, we see some themes that we're going to see here as we walk through this together. Uh, We see some themes of longing for a Savior, longing for righteousness. And so these themes are popping out at us. Even in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus, we're seeing themes that connect to his life. And that makes the Bible kind of come alive to me and makes it really exciting for me. And so keep that in mind as we're, you know, as maybe you're reading Old Testament prophecy from Jeremiah and you're reading about the judgment of the Lord. Remember that there's one story and we have to keep that in mind. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. So let's say you wanted to do a word search here. Uh, this is a really, I was going to say it's really cheap. It's free. It's so it cheap. Free. Uh, it's a free, free website. It's called Blue Letter Bible. Okay, blueletterbible.org. It's the cheapest tool that you can find where you don't have to do much work. Okay, so I chose ESV. I'm going to type in Psalme number one. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, Jacob. Uh, and uh, so the cool thing about Blue Letter Bible is you can look at the text, you can click on it, and you can see it in its original language here. Now, Which most of us is, is Hebrew if you're in the OT. Old Testament is Hebrew, New Testament is Greek. But there's here's a, f- a fun fact. If you few. wanted to compare words from the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's a fancy book called the Septuagint. The Septuagint. It is the uh, Hebrew Bible. It's the Old Testament in Greek. Uh, anyway, okay, so I'm going to look at this first word. I'm going to click on blessed. Here's two things when you're doing a word search. You can look at the definition. Look, what's the first word? Happiness. Happy. Blessedness. Blessed. Okay, so you know what happiness. you said to your friend, blessedness. <laughs> blessedness Have a be blessed to you today. Day. Yeah, <laughs> um, but here's the thing: you can look at the definition, you can learn a lot about it. Um, but the best way to know what a word means is to go down to the very bottom and look at all the ways that it's used in the rest of Scripture. So, so what it says, you're saying this word 
for blessed is used multiple times in the Old Testament. And yes. this website shows me all of them. Yes, it does. That is so cool. Uh, so it's a great word search here. And so what's cool is before you even get to Psalms, you can see that it's only used four other times in the scripture before Psalms. And most of the times it's used as happy, happy, happy. You want a happy life? That's what Psalms 1 is talking about. It's talking about happiness, okay? Uh, and what blessing and happiness really is. And then you can even look at what it means all in the Psalms. Look, there's a million of them in Psalms. Woo! Okay. Uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, okay? So there's a lot uh, talking about that. So it's a great place to start to learn what a word means. So when we get up here and we're like preaching and we're like, hey, so uh, when the psalmist says blessed, he's really saying like a happy life. It's because we studied the word, okay? So we're, we're talking about blessing. That's what the psalm is talking about. Uh, one of the things I like to do is um, when I'm, I'm going to like stand. I'm sorry. I, like, need a whiteboard. Go for it. Um, when I'm breaking down a text, specifically a psalm, I like to look for patterns. And so, literally, I open up a Word document, and I do this. And I begin to see where there are connections and parallels. There's a whole study on, like, how you can study psalms and what the patterns are actually called, the names and parallelism and synonyms and all that, all that. But without even knowing all of that, you can just begin to see breakdowns. Quick, nerdy thought. The reason why I use the ESV is because every time it says blessed, it's the same Hebrew word every single time. Not always the same in other translations. Okay, so when I want to compare exact words, that's why I use ESV because I want to see that word happen in the scripture every single time. Okay, so uh, for this chunk, we broke this down. Blessed is the man who, and then there's this like cool parallel thing that happens. Do you see it? Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of scoffers. We have this parallel happening of an action, uh, a place, and a person, okay? And so we can sum this all up of like the righteous person does not associate with wicked people. He doesn't walk, stand, nor sit. He doesn't chat with them on the road. He doesn't sit down with him, and he doesn't just stand and wait in these things. Um, we have a, these are different words, um, delight, and blessed are different in Hebrew, otherwise it'd be the same. But it's this kind of positive thing here. It's like if you want happiness, um, we don't do these things, but we do delight in the law of the Lord. The other word I'm going to tap into right now is law. The original word there is Torah, or Torah. Um, and it is not, you look at law and you're like, ah, oh, but this delight is in the book of Leviticus. It's not true. The law is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But ultimately what the law stands for is God's story of grace, his rescuing grace of people who would spit at him and turn their back on them time and time again. God is constantly keeping his promises. It's a love story. So when you see the word law, you're not thinking like, don't chew gum and stick it under the desk. Uh, don't let the dog pee on the grass. It's not a necessary list of rules. It is, but his delight is in the story of God's love for his people. That's what that word means. Um, well, there's so many fun words here that you could dive into. Like, dude, do a word study on meditate. Super cool, okay? Uh, and there's so much we can dive in here. But um, ultimately, as we dive into God's word, we're picking up, like, little gems. We're, like, on a... Um, uh, what's that thing called? Uh, Indiana Jones. You pick up fossils. What's the word? Thank you. Archaeology. I'm like, architect. <sighs> okay, when you become a mom, your brain, the like vocab list just gets all shuffled in your head, okay? Um, uh, so like archaeology, you're picking up different fossil bits, and you're trying to figure out what is this dinosaur that you're pulling out of the ground, uh, and so that's where we ask this question next of, ooh, so what? 
What do these pieces mean? What does it mean that we're talking about happiness? What does it mean we're talking about this theme of the way, right? We're not standing in the way. What about this righteous versus wicked thing? And we've seen these first three verses, and we get to this point. The righteous follow the word and not the crowd. And at that point is where we're like, whoa, pause. And what is God saying to me through this scripture? Yeah, it's really important to understand that um, the Bible is communicating one, one thing throughout its text. There's an original meaning to an original audience. And so um, I love Bible studies with your friends, but I had a bad habit growing up of, I, this is kind of how I feel about this text. This is kind of what I think, or this is how I interpret it. And while you can interpret some passages differently throughout time, there's one thing being communicated, and that's, that's the work of studying Scripture. And so just to summarize some of the things Courtney said is uh, we got to know the where. So where in the Bible is this happening? we got to know the what. What is being said? We need to look for keywords, and so some keywords in this passage, obviously, blessed, delight, meditate. These are things that are leading us to the meaning. And then um, we have some repeated themes, and there's already some imagery right here. And so here's the question: like, what what does this mean? to us in our life. And what I feel like we can perceive from this text and we can see what the original author is trying to communicate is that there is a direct contrast here between people who value the law of God or the way of God and people who don't. And there is a clear contrast between the quality of your life compared to how much you love God's word and how much you want to follow after God's word. And there seems to be a clear warning here about who you surround yourself with. So look at these verses again. and So read one and two. It says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? People you don't like at school, they're like, oh, you're such a scoffer. I don't like you. No. Um, So the reality here is, and something we could apply to our lives after reading this, is uh, your, the people you have in your life surrounding you that you're spending time with Uh, that matters. It matters who you spend your days with. It matters who you hang out with. It matters how much time you're spending with that certain person. Uh, I had a pastor, he would say this all the time in his sermons. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think I agree with that for the most part. Uh, You will become who you hang out with. You will become who you hang out with. When you surround yourselves with people who also love God's word, you're probably going to find yourself loving God's word more. Uh, When you surround yourself with people who are gossipers, when you surround yourself with people who are, they have awful relationships with their parents, when you surround yourselves with people who disobey their parents or they like love to do stupid stuff, you're going to adapt that lifestyle. It's just who you are. And you can't think, I'm so strong. I'm so like mentally like tougher than everyone, that I'll just push all that influence out. It's just not reality. And so there seems to be a clear warning to us here that we can, here you can go to the next one, I want to read it again, Um, that we will uh, be affected by the people that we're surrounded with, all right? And then I like the way uh, Courtney put it here, the righteous, the righteous follow the word, not the crowd. And so that's what I think we can uh, glean some meaning from here in the first three verses. But we got a few more verses to go. I can talk about it for a while, but we gotta, we gotta go. Yeah. So there's a whole chunk here too of um, like why did we break this up in two pieces? And we can go in that too. But like we can see in that first chunk that we're talking about specifically, like there's there was that pattern there of like the the righteous does not do this, but 
does this, right? So clear, complete thought. And so then we move on to the next chunk of verses, which seems to be the next chunk here. So it's verses three through five. And so what is the righteous like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and sleeps is not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Again, just like the first section, there's so much that we could dive into here. Um, There's so many words that you could just spend some serious time in. Like, what does it mean for the Lord to know the way? right? Um, What does it mean uh, for, like, things to prosper? Like, we could dive into a ton of these words. I'm just going to pull out a few things here, and the first thing is, like, there's a clear image here. Imagine these images, okay? Okay. He's like a tree. What kind of tree? Planted, yielding fruit, not withering, prospers. There's all these positive adjectives to describe this tree. Um, I think those of us who live where we do, do not understand the significance of this tree because you look out your window and there are trees that are green, okay? I've said this before, but dude, I have family and we're like from Arizona, the desert. I never want to go there. Why do people live in the desert, okay? Like they come up here and they're like, it's the garden of Eden. Everything's green. I was like, because you live in dirt. Okay, like this is this is the scene is like Arizona. It's dirt. Danae, you know, you, you people are from there. It's dirt. It's dusty. Yeah, it's not awesome. Um, okay, uh, imagine one of these big evergreen trees you see of the gorge just standing in the middle of like Phoenix. First of all, it's weird because it's a city, but t- also it's like, what? How is that tree surviving here? This is what we're looking at. This beautiful tree that has tons of fruit in it. But what are the wicked like? Chaff. Do a word stare on that. But aka a tumbleweed. Dust. What's in Arizona? Right? Okay, that's the chaff. Okay. The chaff is just blowing around. So we have these two images. This tree that's thriving, it's attached to life, and we have this like tumbleweed that is perishing. And these are the images that the scripture's pulling out. And what they're giving you is a very visual picture of what the life of the righteous is like and what the life of the wicked is like. Here's the thing. What 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 is a tumbleweed? nothing. It's a dead what? It's a dead bush. So it once was a bush. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So the bush was once alive. Probably had leaves, was a little green, right? Sometimes the life of the wicked looks like they're prospering. It looks like they're winning. But in the end, they turn into a tumbleweed. But the life of the righteous does not perish. It continues. Life that does not perish. Anybody ringing bells? Bing, 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 bing. You should hear John 3.16 in your head, right? Um, so, the wicked are not so. They, and rather than being planted, yielding, prospering, not withering, they are driven away and they do not stand in the judgment or congregation. The reason why I also pair things up like this is because you could look at this and be like, we'll not stand in the judgment. You're like, Judge Judy, like, who's judging them? Uh, they're compared in words, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. This is the, the grouping of God's people that are, like, deciding, like, what is honoring to God, what's not. Um, and there it is. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. So we have these two very clear images. And um, the this psalm, Psalm 1, and actually Psalm 2 together, is actually the introduction for the whole of Psalms. So if you're starting this year also, by the way, in 2023, 
Wow. Was this Three like, years after trauma. <laughs> you just seem like stutter there. I was like, oh, trauma. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if you're starting this year and you don't know where you're reading in the Bible yet, I would just say start today and keep going in Psalms. Okay, keep going. And I want you to trace these two images we've already seen. The first one is the way, right? The way. The Psalm is going to talk about the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. I want you to like literally underline way every time it comes out into the scriptures and do like way check or way, ooh, X, okay? But then the second one is this, the righteous versus the wicked, okay? And that's the, that's the check and the minus. The, the Psalms are going to talk a lot about this um, because ultimately um, there's, there's a warning in that of like if you unplug from the river of life, a.k.a. God, you will find yourselves amongst the wicked in the tumbleweed. But no matter, oh, my favorite, can I just read this one really quick? One of my favorite verses and connected to this, here's another quick Bible study tool. Cross-references. Okay, write this verse down. Write the address and go look at it later. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 8 and 9. Okay, Jeremiah 17, 8 and 9. This is my favorite cross-reference with this passage. He says this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Here's where cross-references are cool because it's the same image, but what Jeremiah adds is that this tree, it's not like it's in a... happy land forever. It's facing drought. It's facing weather. It's facing hard things. Uh, Much like our lives, if we were a tree, we're like, ah, drought, hard weather. I understand that. Um, But it's not anxious. It is not anxious. Uh, One of my favorite phrases from this is, uh, trees aren't anxious, and neither are we if we're rooted in God. And that's like, man, I could go on forever about these images in this scripture. Yeah, and again, this takes some time, right? Like when you are waking up in the morning and you are thinking about school and you're thinking about um, everything that you have going on through the, uh, throughout the day, um, you you got to take some time, all right? Tr- you can't just like, and it's always awesome to read scripture, but if you only have like five, ten minutes between class, it's awesome to read scripture, but really take take some time in your day to dive into what the passage is saying for yourself. So some pro tips like make a plan. When you make a plan with your friends, you get very specific, you know exactly what you're doing, make a plan for how you're going to study the scriptures. Choose a time. And um, you don't have to dedicate maybe five, six, seven, 12 hours like we would for a sermon. Um, but when you are trying to dive into God's word, uh, give, give it some time, 30, 40 minutes. And if you've, if you've never studied God's word, all right, start with five, start with 10. But do you see the longer we dwell and the longer we discuss, the more that God is revealing and there's the, the evidence of what he has to show us is, is becoming more and more clear. Um, so I just want to encourage you that spend some time walking through these words in, in the Psalms or all throughout scripture. And so what I like about this passage is it, it's clear that our life is connected to this law or the way of God or um, God himself. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, our life supply is in the scriptures. And more importantly than the scriptures is the one who wrote the scriptures. That's God himself. 
all right? And so God's scriptures are the revelation of who he is and we are connected to it for life like a tree is connected to water. That's a significant image. We can either be the tumbleweed or we could be the tree and we could be standing firm through drought and storm no matter what when we are connected to that water. What I like, I, I was just thinking about this. Jesus calls himself living water right? That's, a, that's another image. And so again, we see the Bible, the scriptures all connected. You can see words like water and think, water, water, where have I heard that before, right? Um, and there's so much significance in just that term that we simply cannot talk about. But Jesus himself says he's living water. Whoever comes to me will never thirst again. You see, God is trying to communicate with you, right? And it's not a puzzle. It's not like a secret code. It's a very uh, generous thing that God has done. He has stepped down to communicate. That's why Jesus uses uh, stories and images that everyone can truly, really understand. And so, um, anyways, the, the thing I get from that is that our life is connected to God's, God's word and God's law, and that's why it's so important for us to stay uh, rooted to it. Yeah, so in the second section, we came down to this idea that the righteous remain while the wicked wither. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as Noah's been talking about, true Bible study, especially even if you're in the New Testament, which more on that in another day, um, but true Bible study is not done until you ask, what does this matter to the story of the gospel? What does the, the reality of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection matter to this particular story? And here's where it stands here. Um, we, you could look at this psalm and be like, okay, cool, 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 cool. So if I just really read the Bible a lot and maybe memorize it, like, I'm going to have a super happy life. Everything's going to be great. Um, sure, yes, please, read the Bible, memorize it. It would be really helpful for your soul, and that is what we're going to charge you to do. But here's the reality of it. Like, when I look in the mirror weekly, daily, um, when I think about the nature of my thoughts and the way I think about people and the motives in my heart, even the things I don't do but I think about doing, I'm like, dude, count me amongst the wicked. Like, who is righteous? No, not one. <laughs> none of us walk this path of righteousness perfectly. Like, none of us. Not one. But there was one, there is one, who not only is the word, which we'll go into that, but he died the, the, he died the death of a wicked person talking about Jesus. He died the death of a wicked person when he should have had the path of the righteous so that he could swap places with us, so that I could experience the righteousness of God. He died my wickedness so that he, we could have his righteousness. And that's where Christ enters this story. Not to mention the fact, you want to talk about John 1? Yeah, that would be awesome. So there's this clear contrast between wickedness and righteousness, and it's an invitation to righteousness. But I also think that Again, when we're looking at cross-references, when we're thinking about the grand narrative of uh, the Gospels, I uh, think of this passage in John chapter 1. So talk about the law of the Lord, talk about how that is good and it supplies us good things. Uh, this is what John says hundreds of years later, professing uh, about Jesus. This is what he says in the beginning. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Or excuse me, we'll switch those two. <laughs> the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything that has ever been made. 
And then, and like this reality here, and then skipping down to verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, his glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So what this passage is saying is just changes how we view the Bible. It's saying that everything Jesus is, is the Bible, is the word of God. Jesus is the manifestation of what God is trying to communicate to you and I. And that is why it is so significant when we read passages in the Old Testament about the law. Because we can might as well put Jesus right in the middle of that story. Because that, that is completely something that we can and totally should do when we read through Old Testament uh, uh, psalms or narrative or whatever it may be. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Meaning God's trying to communicate with you. God wants to communicate with you. And um, he does it through the scriptures and he does it through his Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, I think that's clearly in every scripture you want to see and ask yourself, ask yourself the question, how does this point to Christ? And there are some parts in the Old Testament that might be a little bit more difficult than others, right? We just went through the book of Judges not too long ago, about a year ago at this point, I guess. And uh, there's some dark days there, right? And you're like, where does Jesus fit in? But there's always a way to see Jesus throughout all of Scripture. And so I think that's the clearest connection that we can see in, in, in that, or one of them, of one of many. So, um, I, And that just, again, should fuel like so much um, joy in that time in the Word when you are studying it uh, when you set aside time in your busy day to recognize I'm spending time with the Lord right now. I'm spending time in his word, who, and he is the word, right? And so, um, and that's why it's so important. Look at this verse 6, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sing and we'll pray and we'll go. Um, but it says this, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Only God knows what is right, but he has revealed it to us. And only God is righteous. But he took the seat of the scoffers, the sinners, the wicked. And that's where we see the gospel, even in six verses in the book of, uh, of Psalms. And that is where, um, with some of these tools and with friends and a community, uh, you can have an impactful time in God's word every day. And so that's really what we're trying to communicate with you um, in, in a message like this, in a time like this, you can have moments of, uh, of, of impactful time with the Lord every single day if you would just try, if you would just ask the Lord to show you, if you just ask for him to reveal to you more and more about his word, he absolutely, totally will do that. And so I'd encourage you guys to do that. But um, yeah, this is, so, okay, there's always a main idea we want to get at, right? If there's um, a main idea, it, it, we call it like kind of the central hub, and everything we say in a sermon hopefully is building up to one point. That's a very good way to preach. You should, if you ever preach one day, and if you ever learn from either of us, we will teach you this. Um, so the main idea that we kind of came up with from this passage is the word made a way to walk in righteousness. The word made a way to walk in righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of righteousness, but the way of the wicked will perish. The, the word made a way. And that's my encouragement for you. If you're in the room and you're like learning about the Bible and also learning about Jesus at the same time, this is just what I want to communicate to you. God made a way for you and I to be made right. 
and to walk in righteousness. And if you're a Christian in the room, I want you to rejoice in that, and I want you to continue to learn about righteousness, and I want you to continue to fall in love with the way of Jesus and the righteousness that he shows us. So, um, any yeah. other thoughts, Courtney? Any other things? Yeah, and I was going to say that all Bible study, all time in the Word is not complete without a heart response. Um, it is not a word that is just meant to put knowledge in your head, but it is a word that's calling your heart to respond. And so, so just for a second, I just want you to close your eyes, and um, and we'll we'll continue responding through music in a second. Um, uh, but I want you to, to think through this concept of that the word has made a way for you. Um, just, <laughs> you know, imagining yourself... Um, coming before the Lord can be a scary thought, you know, the thinking of the, the wicked things that we've thought or the things that we've said or the um, things that we've even done this very day, this week, um, uh, it, it feels like there's there's no way that we could come before a God who is righteous, um, but you have a brother, his name is Christ, and he has given you his righteousness, so um, I there may be someone in the room right now who thinks, dude, I've gone too far. Um, I can't come back home. I uh, can't look God in the eyes. Uh, he would not be proud of who I am. Um, and I want to tell you today that Jesus has made it possible for God to be proud of you again, to uh, love you with open arms without any strings attached, to look you in the eye and say, you are mine. And so whatever that means for you today, however far you think you are, or if you even have the ability to look God in the face, um, I ask that you would take a moment to just pray in your heart to God and, and maybe confess those things or maybe to ask for his help or just to thank him for who Jesus is. And I'm going to pray and then we are going to continue that response as we sing to the Lord. So, dear Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that it is refreshment to our soul. We thank you that it connects us to the God who has given us life. We thank you, Lord, that from the very opening pages of scriptures, you have been echoing this story of one who would make it possible for us to come home. God, we thank you for Jesus, that you gave us Jesus, who was the only one who is righteous, the only one who could perfectly delight in your word, the only one who could perfectly love you, and you made it possible for us to receive his righteousness through the death that he died in our place. And so, God, may our hearts be filled with joy at your salvation. May it be filled with a refreshed love of who you are. And, God, I pray that you would reignite our hearts to dive into this word, not just to know it, not just to have it memorized, not to just impress the cool church kids, but to know you, Lord, to know Jesus more and for our hearts to grow in love for you. So, God, God, we just thank you again that you have made yourself known to us. God, would you open our minds and our hearts to receive you? And may you help us to trust you and to love you. Um, maybe when we can't even see or understand, um, we know you are good. And so we thank you, Lord, again, that you are with us and that you are in your word and your spirit dwells with those who call you Lord. And so it is in that holy name that we pray. Amen.